month, Jesus said what? Today, I get to talk to you about Jesus said, I will build my church. If you have my notes and you've seen them, there's quite a few blanks. Um, So get your pens out. Let's get ready. Jesus said, I will build my church. As we move through, as we move out our, our own way, we allow God room to move as he desires in us and through us. Think about that for a second. God moving in you and through you. What does that feel like? To me, it feels right. It feels so good because that tells me I'm on the right track. That tells me I'm doing what he desires me to do. Move that bus. Wow. That, that felt good to say. I'm going to say it again. Move that bus. Extreme Home Makeover Edition. That's the TV show, if you didn't know that. It was on several years back, and NBC would send out a design team to a family. This family either had needs, and their house wasn't up to standard that met their needs, or they had problems with their house. Well, the problem with the house, they would find out about what that was. They would find out about the needs of the family, the kids, the parents, things they should keep in the house, uh, family heirlooms, whatnot. And then they would send the family away. This family got to go on a week-long vacation, left their house in a limousine, feeling excited about something new, and from there, go have fun. Ty and his team would come in and say, okay, what do we need to do? They'd set up a game plan, and as this game plan's being set, you see on TV a mob of people walking down the street. That blesses me. I'm a worker, and these people were coming to work. And so as they walk down the street, you see them with shovels and different props to get active. And so Ty would Skype into the family, and they would show the house being either completely tore down to its foundation or taken down to its studs. I really like this show because it reminds me of what God does and has done in my life. It reminds me that he's tore some things down. He's broken some strongholds away. He's taken my sins and covered them. And hopefully for you too. As I read the Bible, the work begins. As I read my Bible, my mind begins to be renewed. Process in play. As I pray, problems start getting to work, start beginning to get worked out. As I pray, I allow God to renew my mind through the word, and then I'm beginning to pray what I'm reading, and action is happening. They bring the family home. Now, I'm nosy, so I always thought, okay, I'm look, trying to look out the window, see what's going on. I don't know how they got the family in without them seeing anything. I, I don't know. Maybe they did see something. I, I wasn't one of the families. Couldn't tell you that. But they get the family back home, and they pull up behind this enormous bus. Now, this isn't the yellow school bus type thing. This is one of those million-dollar projects that, on wheels. And so they pull up behind the bus. They let the family out, and here we go. Family's excited. They're, the energy, you can feel it in the air. What's getting ready to happen? And then it comes. Move that bus! And you hear the air brakes go off and the bus moves. The family's jumping up and down. It's crazy. Why? They just got a brand new house. They have a brand new place for shelter. They have a brand new place to live in that's going to meet their needs. God's in the business of meeting needs. Okay? So... Why does, what, why does this mean anything? This means something to me because, one, I love people. And I love seeing Christian values on TV. Now, whether they meant to bless somebody or whether they meant to do what God says to do, I don't know. But they're doing it. And God will use what he needs to use. And so the big reveal happens. They get to walk in their house. They would always say, can we go in? <laughs> well, of course, it's yours. <laughs> you know, and so, yes, they get to go in the house. They go through the house, and the man shows up. 
every episode I watched, there was this guy in it. This is the guy who gets to tell the parents, your mortgage is paid. What a guy, huh? That, that's just a pretty cool job. And uh, as I think about this guy, I think about Jesus because he paid my sins and he paid my mortgage and he paid your mortgage and he's covered it all. Jesus made the deal of all deals when he, stayed on, when he was hung on the cross and paying for our sins. As we move out of our own way, we allow God room in our lives to do as he desires in us and through us. Matthew 16, 18. Now I say to you, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Who was Peter? Peter was a son. He was a brother. He was Andrew's brother. He and his brother were the only two, or were the first two, excuse me, to follow Jesus and leave everything behind. He was quick to act, quick to speak. He was often the speaker of the disciple group. And as he spoke, it wasn't always good and sometimes bad. And I think about quick, or I think about Peter and his quick speaking. And I think about how I'm quick to speak at times. And whoop, it went out there and I'm reaching for it because I didn't want that to come out. And so I think about that. I'm like, wow, hey, that's, that's me. Um, and so he, was a, he heard from the Holy Spirit who revealed that Jesus was the son of the living God. Peter was a man of passion. He was a man of zeal. He was a bold man. He was, a loyal, he was loyal to Jesus even, and his fellow disciples. He was one of two guys to walk on water. I thought that was pretty cool in my research. The other was Jesus, so, you know, that was pretty cool. Um, he denied Jesus three times. He started out an arrogant man. He started out a cocky man. He ended up being humble, willing, and obedient to serve the Lord, even unto death. You guys, Peter was all in. Knowing this, Jesus still chose Peter to build his church on. Now, if you are, well, since we're in this world, somebody that denies me, somebody that's cocky, somebody that runs and shoots off his mouth, that's probably not the guy I'm going with to put my success, succession plan in, right? No, Jesus did. He said, I'm going to go with Peter. Intersection, there's no way that you nor I can derail God's church. Let me be clear about one thing. I'm not comparing you or I to Peter. What I am saying is that we are God's creation. And as we follow him, he will use us to fulfill his purpose in this city. God desires to partner enter a partnership with both you and I through Jesus Christ. Question today, in or out? Peter was all in. I'm all in. Where are you? God has given us biblical examples such as Peter and his journey and his walk of faith. The Bible says, if we will not worship, the rocks will. In Numbers 22, God uses a donkey to speak. That's another pretty cool thing. Um, my point, God will be worshiped. Whether it's us or a donkey, he will be worshiped. We must ask ourselves, are we willing to enter partnership with God or are we gonna do things our own way? Christians today, depending upon where we live, you will face persecution, you may even die. This death can be physical or a dying to self. Let's look at this dying to self. Ephesians 4.22 says to put off the old self. That's just you before you met Jesus. Um, that's you before you decided to follow Christ. We must put on God's attributes. As we put on God's attributes, that begins to look like something. That's active. That's us showing love to our neighbor like we hadn't before. That's us being kind. That's us obeying our parents. That's us 
respecting our children. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Yes, if all who desires, yes, all who desires to follow, to live a godly life will face persecution. Life isn't easy. And I don't like lying. And what I mean by that is this. It's real easy to paint a great picture, an easy picture of Christianity. It's really easy to paint a picture that says, come to Jesus and life is good. If not all of you have, if not all of you, you face some kind of hardship, you face some kind of persecution. And so I don't wanna paint that picture today. I'm gonna tell you that you will face persecution. I'm also gonna tell you if you're completely obedient to God, that's a picture of dying to self. As we enter into a relationship with God, we must embrace God's word and follow it as closely as possible. I grew up in the church and I remember my mom telling me, she said to me, Johnny, the Bible's here. That's a goal. It's perfection. You're not gonna hit it. And I'm like, Yes, I am. <laughs> um, Gung-ho, zeal, bold, going for it. But as I grow and as I understand this thing, it's a goal. The Bible is a goal. And so that's why I say if we follow as closely as possible, then we're, gonna, we're striving for the goal. Will we hit it? Through all things, it's possible but it's still a goal. So follow it closely. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. What part do you play? And what part do I play in building the intersection? I only get one church. I'm praying to God in Jesus' name that this is my last one. I'm tired of moving. My family has gone way too many miles. <laughs> and we've moved too much. And now that I'm doing ministry, I, I pray that this is my last one. Um, if he moves me somewhere, so be it. But in Jesus' name, you've been listening to me before, so... Um, may this be my last one. And so what part am I going to play? Here's the part that I play. You must know that I will follow God first. Okay? What does that mean? That means I'm going after truth. If you talk to me any amount of time, you'll get hit with it. And I hope when you're talking to me, I get hit with it. Don't tell me what I need to hear, what you think I need to hear. Tell me what I need to hear, and that's the truth. Okay? I'm going to love each of you if given the chance. I promise. I will promise that. You give me the chance, I'm going to love you. I'm big on this love thing, you know, kind of touchy-feely and all that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to love you. And I will talk with you. I will pray with you. I'll even pray for you. Okay? That's what I'm going to do. You lock it in. We got it on tape. That's Johnny. Okay? I will invest in my fellow intersectionite. Now, I developed this word because of Israel, personally, but um, I found it quite fitting, intersectionite. You're going to hear it a couple times. It's out there now. I look at you guys and this relationship we have as an investment, okay? It's not time you put in. It's not something you just do. It's an investment. And it's an investment because I'm going to go the extra mile, okay? For some of you, I might even go further than you, or is it farther? That, that's from a movie, uh, Finding Forrester. Uh, but I'm going to go the distance, okay? And as I go the distance, I, I do have a requirement, okay? And that's this, that we become richer in the truths of God, Okay? that we grow into mature Christ followers, yielding our lives to the word of God.
we must be willing to read the Bible and follow the Bible. I've gone, I counted the churches that I've gone to, and it's kind of embarrassing. And that's another reason I pray that this is my last. I've been in 10 churches in 33 years. Um, I've been in church since day one. Um, I was born into a Christian family. And as I have gone to church, I've been in 10 churches. That's too many um, for me personally. <laughs> uh, and so when I look at that and I, ask, and I look at what I've learned over that time span, I've seen way too many people that read the Bible and then they use it like a tree and they pick the pieces they want. That didn't work. But they still wonder, well, why didn't, why isn't it working? Why isn't life working for me? What's, what's the deal? You know, I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and I'm doing all the Christian things I'm supposed to do, yet life's not working out for me. We don't get to pick and choose. The Bible... I was supposed to open this when I read scriptures. Um, the, the Bible is complete. We've just gone through that as a church. It has everything you need. It even has things you don't want. But it's here. And I say you might not want it because it might be just too real for you. Okay? When I say we might die, people look at me like, oh, it's true. Okay, we all have a birth and a death day, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about living for Christ. You, you might go die. It's okay. it's okay. God's got you. But the the Bible is complete, and since the Bible is complete, we can't pick and choose what we want. That's like me just tearing a page out and saying, "I just like that's that's a good page. I'm going to keep it." No, you you have to follow the whole thing. So. I lost myself in my notes, sorry. All right. Here at the intersection, we must be active. We must be active in how we serve. And here's what we have to know about being active. We have to know that God will call you out of your career. He will call you out of school. He will call you out of retirement. And he'll even call you out of that place you think you're supposed to be to serve him. I've been married for 11 years, and, well, almost 11 years. July 6th will be 11 years. But I've been married for 11 years. In that 11 years, I've worked, I'm gonna say countless, because I kinda lost track of how many jobs I've worked. I've worked up to five jobs at a time, to provide for my wife and three kids. I'm still asking God, was this, was I in disobedience? Was I doing the Jonah thing? I, I don't know, but that's what life, the cards dealt for me. So I went to work and I continued working and I was active and I chose a career to, in education. I wasn't a teacher, I worked with the students. My prayer was this. If you know anything about the school district, God's kind of out of it, right? Okay, so my prayer was this daily. God, I'm going to school, and if I'm gonna lose my job, I'm gonna lose it for your sake. Why? Because I'm a Christian and I'm telling people about you. So if I get called in the office and they say, we gotta let you go, so be it, okay? He'll call you out of your career. He'll call you out of what you think you're supposed to be doing. When I was 19, I did an internship with Tim Zakarian that internships told me that I did not want to work in the church. Um, at the time, I didn't like the business side of things. Um, I didn't like, never really into politics. If it's truth, deal with it. Doesn't always work that way. And so, as I did my internship, I learned likes and dislikes of the church. I got to see the background. And as I saw the background, I didn't like it. And so I ended up in Bible college. And even though I didn't like it, I should say, I ended up in Bible college. Um, kind of tricked to go there. 
I played football in high school. Tell you a little bit about myself. And while I was looking for the college to go to, I was doing recruiting trips. And while doing recruiting trips, Tim Zakarian, my youth pastor, says, you should take a trip with me. I'm like, where are we going to go? He's all Eugene, Oregon. I'm like, well, what's there? He's like Eugene Bible College. And I said, all right, I'm checking out colleges. I'll go check it out. If you know anything about Tim Zakarian, he is great at, one, getting his way, and two, he's great at changing the conversation so that he doesn't answer a question. And here's what I mean. <laughs> Eugene Bible College is eight hours away from Antioch, California. Eight to 10, depending upon how fast you drive. Um, we get in the car, 8 a.m., Tim, Mr. Punctual, he's leaving at eight, we're leaving at eight, done deal, all right. So we're leaving at eight. Tim, what's their football program like? So Johnny, blah, blah, and I don't know what he started talking about, but we started talking about something else. We get to Mount Shasta, four hours away. We have Burger King, because that's where we always stopped. He did not stop for bathroom trips, so you better hold it. <laughs> we get there, and we go through, and we get back on I-5, and out comes the question again. So PT, how is their football team? Well, Johnny, they don't have a football team. What am I doing on this trip? <laughs> well, I thought you should check this college out because I think you'd be a good fit. All right, Johnny's not very happy right now, okay? Johnny is with his youth pastor and wanting to follow what God's doing and is hungry for God, but not happy with God right now, okay? I eventually head off to Eugene Bible College after my internship. I'm not happy with God. I'm going because it's what I think I'm supposed to do, but I'm not happy with God, okay? And I say that because God knows what he's doing. He knows what you need. He even knows how you need it. He even knows how he's going to get it to you. He even knows the people that are involved in getting it for you. Okay? So God knows. And as we, as we go through this time, I deal with losing football. I'm not doing what I'm passionate about anymore. I am on a uh, track that for youth ministry. And I'm not the best student. Okay? And so while I'm not the best student, I end up on academic probation for, well, the, you guys aren't posting all this, but I'm talking now, so it's just kind of flowing, that whole bring it back thing. We're on now. So um, I end up on academic probation, and uh, I actually get kicked out of Eugene Bible College. Um, they said, you aren't pulling the grades. We have to let you go. And while that happened to me, okay, what next, God? I have traveled a road that has been a blessing. Guess what? It's all good. I go around about, go around the mountain, and I go back to L or LCC, Lane Community College. I take a couple classes, get my financial aid back in order, Eugene Bible College starts a degree completion program. I don't even know if it's there today, but I entered the degree completion. Reluctant because I've somewhat got past the f anger with God, but reluctant because why do I need to do this? I'm bringing kids to church, they're becoming Christians, Ministry's active. It's important to finish what you start. Okay? That's the lesson that I had to gain there. It's important that I finish and important that you finish what you start. And so as this happens, I go back. I get my degree. Years later, I have a conversation with a pastor, and he asks, do you have your degree? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm able to hold my head high and say, yes, I have my degree. 
through trials and tribulation, <laughs> I have my degree. And so active, being active, doing what God is calling you to do, knowing that he has called you to serve. Some of you hearing me today have either been called or will be called to serve. Now, does that mean that you're going to be up here? Not even talking about that. In fact, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I'm talking about simply saying Jesus loves you to somebody and this Jesus that I serve died for your sins. That's all that I'm talking about. He might ask you to do that one day. Okay? And he already asked you to do it. Let me rephrase that. He's already asked you to do it. When will you get active on doing it? Okay, so... He's called you, he might call you. I've talked to a lot of you that tell me you're very busy in life. And you say to me today, you're saying right now, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to be involved, I'm too busy to be active, I'm too busy. That might be true. I'm gonna give you that, that might be true. My answer to you though, I'm, never, I'm not gonna be without an answer, and that's God knows your schedule. He knows what you do. He knows when you wake up. He knows what time you're going to bed. He knows what he has for you to do. God knows your schedule. In fact, he even says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul tells us that. That as busy as he is, as busy as you are, through Christ, you can do it. This scripture for me eliminates the word can't. I kind of count that as a bad four-letter word. In fact, I've told my youth, the word can't's not allowed. You can't use the word can't. Why? Because can't takes away the scripture, I can do all things through Christ. So either the Bible's lying or something else is wrong. So get rid of the word can't. To me, this looks like desire. Do I have the desire to serve? Will I do it? Intersection, we must get active. I was brought up in a home that said, take care of home first, okay? Some of you might have been in the same, taught the same thing. If it was broken, it got thrown out in the trash. Mom wasn't replacing it. God met our needs, we were okay, but mom wasn't replacing it. Knowing this, this made me take better care of my toys. I learned this as an early age because I was playing with toys. Um, I didn't always take care of them. In fact, I broke most of them. Mom didn't replace them. I broke most of my brother's toys. Now, this is where the rubber kind of met the road because he was older and he had more time with our gracious grandmother who bought him the complete set of GI Joes and a complete set of Star Wars figures. I remember the Darth Vader head that you carry in case, and yeah, they were all in there. I'm the guilty party that broke them. Um, I, I'm watching shows today, and they're talking about, wow, those are worth so much, and I'm like kicking myself. But, you know, what's done is done. Um, so this is where I found out that I needed to take care of my things. This is the age where taking care of home didn't really mean anything, but the lesson, the lesson was being taught. As I grew older, I realized that my mom would not replace things. She was teaching me that if you broke it, you needed to either be able to, to replace it or don't break it. How does this relate to the intersection? We're coming. It's coming. My mom taught me the value of the dollar. She taught me the value of taking care of my home. She taught me the value of serving in my home. That's chores, okay? And she taught me the value of charity begins at home. What does that mean? How many of you guys heard charity begins at home? The older generation is gonna raise their hand. My first church reminds me of this one because the people in it were older. They use things like this. And Simply put, it means take care of home first. If you take care of home first, then 
you're honoring God because that's your first ministry technically. Men, when your wives ask you to do something around the house, I'm going to talk to you. And you are out doing whatever. It might even be ministry that you're doing. Charity did not begin at home. Ladies, if your outside activities take more time than you taking care of your home, then charity did not begin at home. To my youth, honor your father and mother. Charity has to begin at home. It wasn't until I was an adult that I began to live this and work through this behavior and come to understand what my mom was talking about. In fact, it made me develop a leave it better than I found it mentality. So how does this relate to you? Here's some things I've noticed since I've been here. Let's not leave our trash in the sanctuary or sitting around the church. Let's put it in the trash. Our bulletins. We could probably have a really nice bonfire after each service. Let's take our bulletins with us. Here's the cool part about a bulletin and what you have. You may not hear anything I say, but you have my notes. You have pastor's notes weekly. That's something pretty cool that this church does because there's no way for you not to grow in this church because we're giving it to you. It's yours. And when you leave it on the seat, it gets thrown in the trash, and then you're wondering, man, what did I just hear? And what was that scripture? And what was the second point? Because I got the third and the first one. Take, take it home with you. If those two don't fit, if you have a key, lock the doors. From what I, I've lived this one in our youth group, I've had cell phones stolen, jackets stolen, and things taken from our church that should not have been if we were locking the doors or taking care of our things. So, lock the doors, pick up your bulletins, put them in the trash, recycle, and throw your trash away. We must be committed to the church. Being committed to the church allows us to serve and get to know one another, okay? So be committed to the church. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25 says, not forgetting meeting together as some, have, or as some are in the habit of doing. This one kind of struck me. And it struck me because I've been told that a habit takes 21 days to get, or maybe a little longer, but you can have a habit in 21 days. When I see habit here, that means that you've planned out a way to not come to church and to not be involved in church. That's, what, that's how I read this. And I said, wow, hold on, time out. R really, we're, we're, we're scheming? <laughs> oh boy. 21 days it takes. A habit speaks of decision, time, and action. 21 days, habit. Do not forsake meeting together. Some of us have chosen to not come to church. Now, it's weird that I'm talking to you in church about not coming to church. I think it's needed, and here's why. If you are the one that is, are making the habit, you need to stop because the Bible says so. You need to be around fellow believers. You need to be around the church. You need to be around people that are like-minded, that are Christians, because it only strengthens you. We cannot, we must not fellowship, forsake the fellowship. What does that mean? Sounds like something from Lord of the Rings. Um, it means get together. It means invite someone over to your house. It means go to lunch after service. That's what that's talking about. Okay? It means doing life together. Don't allow church to become an option. Don't allow getting together with people to become an option. We must understand that through Jesus Christ, our, we must understand that coming to church and living this life 
is part of understanding Jesus as our Savior. That didn't make sense, sorry. What I'm saying is as we build this church, it's two things going on. God's been building this church in me since I was 15. My personal relationship with Jesus. He's also building me and the body, which is all of you. I can't live without you. So if you're weak, I'm weak. And we as the church, I will build my church. That's where it comes together. We need each other. Life changed for me the day I gave my life to the Lord. I realized that I couldn't pay for my sins and that I was doing things that there was no way I could cover. Couldn't cover it. So I decided to live for Jesus. I decided to follow God. My life journal, Colossians. Colossians 3, 12 through 16. I'm just gonna tell you what it says. In verse 12, it tells me to be meek, kindness, to have meekness, mercy, kindness, and long-suffering. Verse 12. Verse 13 tells me that I've been forgiven by Christ and that my sins are forgiven. It then tells me that since I'm forgiven, I must forgive. The challenge for you today, if you've been hurt, take it to the cross. And if you need to talk to someone, go talk to them. God still heals. Verse 14 tells me to put on love. Now, putting on love is a Christian term for love people and doing things out of love. So I love you enough to tell you the truth. That's me putting on love. I love you enough to invite you to play golf. I love you enough to talk to you. Put on love. Verse 15 tells me to let peace, let the peace of God rule in my heart. So I need to follow God and there I'll find peace. Verse 16 says, let Christ dwell in me richly in all wisdom. So there's wisdom found there in God. So as I follow God, I'll become more wise. Verse 17, and whoever you, and whatever you do in word and deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever I do, whatever I do, whatever you do, whatever I say, whatever you say, okay? That's important because we got to watch what we're saying and doing. And we have to make sure that we're honoring God in what we're saying and doing. If it doesn't honor God, don't say it. If it doesn't honor God, don't do it. We must make a decision, three of them here, to live for Christ, to serve Christ, and to build Christ's church. We need to build relationship by doing life together. As we do life together, what does that look like? That looks like move that bus. That's what it looks like. Why? If you look back at that show, you had people from the community, you had neighbors, you had community business all coming together to help a family. They simply got involved. I'm simply gonna ask you to get involved today. I'm gonna ask you to get involved to the level that God tells you to get involved. Converge, that's a word that's used here at the intersection. Get in a converge group, converge in a prayer meeting, Converge in a ministry, get involved. If you're not involved, what are you doing? 
Here's an example of a converged group. I love football. Love me some football. And I love people. So I said, how can I put these two things together? Well, I did some research, and there's this program called Monday Night Football. <laughs> yep. I went to a friend, I said, would you be willing to host Monday Night Football? He said, what do you mean host? I said, well, I'm gonna bring some guys over. I'm gonna invite some guys to your house. We're gonna watch Monday Night Football together. He was like, okay. Doesn't sound very hard yet, does it? Um, entertainment's taken care of. Uh, we're gonna bring some cookies, because we're guys. Have some water. Might make some juice, go all out. <laughs> we're gonna watch football together. M&Ms worked amazing. The point is, I got a host home. I did something I was passionate about, football. Food was covered, got some cookies, M&Ms, some water. People are fed. During halftime, we muted the TV. We either prayed together, people doing life, they need prayer. That was one option. We would go over Sunday's sermon, that we just heard the day before? How did it speak to you? That was a very simple question. That was it. No more. We're guys. Keep it simple. Done. And we'd talk through those things. We'd pray for one another. We'd unmute the TV. Have third quarter, fourth quarter. Love you, man. Good night. That was my Converge group. And what was this Converge group about? It was about doing life together. If you're watching football, watch football with somebody. If you like to yell at the TV, yell at the TV. It, hey, it's okay. Do life with them. And so as we do life together, we start a converge group, whatever that looks like. Find something you're passionate about. Find somebody else that's passionate about it. Start a group. See Pastor Isaac. Go through the chains. Get it done. We must be active people at the intersection. That's what active looks like, by the way people serving in ministry, we cannot depend on pastor to invite everybody. We must invite. We cannot depend on pastor to bring everybody to Christ. We must bring people. You are capable. You can do it. Choice. You can do it. If you don't know how to do it, I keep it simple, come talk to me, we'll make it really easy, okay? You can do it, I believe in you. Don't know half of you, still believe in you. Jesus believed in me, I'm believing in you. What would the intersection look like if everyone was a minister of one? That's you discipling someone. That's you entering or going to a converged group with someone or converging with them. That's all it is. What would the intersection look like? That would be us multiplying the kingdom of God. That looks pretty cool to me. We need people to build the church. Yes, I'm saying it again. We need people active in ministry. I hope you hear it again. We need people to be active in their relationships and get outside their comfort circles. comfort circles. Melody and I are asked to, or have been asked, how are you guys doing? You guys are very, we've, we've become a part of a very caring church. And I thank you that you love us. I, I truly thank you. Because while we have come here and we've started life here in Spokane, how are we doing? How are we fitting in? I'm gonna tell you it's been hard, okay? It's been hard because the cool thing about this church is you've been here a long time. Valley Open Bible still lives. Now the intersection, you have history here. And that to me is really cool. It's been hard for us because you guys have your groups already. You have the people you meet with. 
you have the people you do life with. And so as new people here, we've had the blessing that we're on staff. And that's a blessing because that gets us a foot in your door. For me, when I look at that, I think about the visitor who's hearing what I'm saying, one, or the visitor that's gonna come through these doors that aren't on staff. How do they get a foot in? How do they get in your circle? If, you did, if nobody invited them and they choose the intersection for that Sunday, how do they get into relationship? Because without relationship, they're not coming back. Melody and I, going on 11 years, we've been a part of three churches together, four churches now. In those four churches, we've never been around family, so we've created family. And as we've created family, we've learned to do life with people. Um, these are godparents of our children. They are people we've done birthdays with. They are people we consider our family. When I go to Eugene, I stay with these people. I don't rent a hotel. In fact, I call that my hotel because they've opened their door to us. And they'd be upset with us as family gets when you don't visit when you come to town. We've learned to do family. Johnny needs, here's a need of mine. I need us to be family here. I need us to do family. I need us to welcome in new people. Welcoming new people is key to new growth, okay? If we don't welcome new people, we can't build the kingdom and we can't build Christ church. My challenge is this. I want the intersection to be the best, okay? I don't want to come to some sorry church. Not an option. And I'm be like, God, take me out of here. Nope. We're going to be the best, okay? We are going to be. We're going to be the best by getting involved. That comes through being active builders. That's us caring for this house, okay? As we care for this house, both personally and the intersection of this church, we will grow. That's us committing to the intersection. That's us loving and serving in this house. That's me doing my part in getting involved as much as I can. That's you doing your part in getting involved as much as you can. That's us pursuing relationships with other intersectionites. Amen. Now, I don't know if you agree with this statement, but I'm gonna tell you that life is messy. You may agree or disagree, but life is messy, and that's the truth of the matter. Why is life messy? Because anytime I have to divert off my course, it changes how I'm doing things. And when I bring in new people, that changes my course. We have to be okay with that. Things are gonna change. Things are gonna be adjusted. And as we adjust, we grow, we become better. That's us building relationship with others in our own communities. I would find it strange if you only knew people within this church. In fact, it'd be sad if you only knew people in this church. That means that you aren't living up to your potential of t simply talking to people. We all have people outside this church that we need to do a relationship with. I'm asking you to do me a favor. Here's my favor. It's kind of crazy. It's going to break the roof off or something. But here's the favor. I need you to be friends with non-Christians. Yeah. A church that I went to, we were responsible for having 10 relationships with non-Christian families or people, non-Christian people, which equated to families. As we built relationship with these non-Christian families, our church grew. And then guess what? They invited a friend. We have to have non-Christian people in our lives. I'm not telling you to go party and go to the club. Nope, didn't say that. Nope, 
I'm not telling you to go drink and smoke with them. Nope, didn't say that. I'm not telling you to live how they live. I'm telling you to have them in your lives. I'm telling you to affect them and infect them with the gospel if you need to. We must do life with non-Christians. As we do life with them, we bring them to the faith, we bring them to church, our church grows. Worst case scenario, you enter or start a converge group with them. I've harped on these converge groups. I find them key. I'm so relational that that's my way. I'm gonna tell you to get in a converge group. Other pastors have suggested it. I'm telling you, find a converge group. <laughs> find, hey, f- here's the deal. Find something you're passionate about and get started. What, what are you passionate about? Answer that question for yourself. Say, Pastor Isaac, I wanna start a converge group. Find 10 people to do it with and boom, we're off and running, okay? So get a converge group going. You're probably already doing them, just not with the name converge on them, but hey. That's that. As we move out of our own way, we allow room for God to move in us and through us. On the bottom of your notes, what step or steps are you willing to take to become a better Christ follower? Will you read your Bible? Will you start journaling? Will you pray more? Will you start a converge group? If you're going to start a converge group, talk to Pastor Isaac. Here's what I just asked you to do. I just asked you to get active and get in a relationship. Why? Because you're gonna circle one that you're active and then you're gonna tell somebody about it. They're gonna hold you accountable. Yay, it's a good thing. Worship team, if you would come. Will you partner with God and build Christ's church? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you would partner with people of the intersection. I thank you that you would give us the task of building your church through Jesus Christ. While we each have our own ideas of what that might look like, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that you would focus us back to the cross and into your word, that our focus would remain on the idea of building the church for the lost people you sent your son to die for. Father, I pray that you would teach us how to love one another, that the intersectionites would take care of this house, that we'd be obedient and follow the leadership of this house. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Be blessed, thank you. Amen, would you stand to your feet please?